0: Good afternoon, and welcome to Uncle Paul's Jazz Closet. This is your host, Cindy McGurl, bringing you the music of jazz drummer Paul Modian. Music he created, music he inspired, and music he was inspired by. I want to thank my sponsors for the show here at Community Radio, WRFR, Low Power, 93.3 FM, Rockland, Maine. And they are the Dowling Walsh Gallery and the Curator on Main Street in Rockland, and Rockport Automotive in Rockport. Each week, I bring you a combination of music and readings from the Palmodian Archive. So stay tuned for this week's show. Show is being recorded at home for October 19th, 2020, and it is a continuation of Gary Peacock and Paul Modian. We're on part four, and uh, there will be more. Um, So, I'm going to focus on the Tethered Moon trio, which is Gary Peacock on bass, Paul Modian on drums, and Masabumi, Poo, Kikuchi on piano and if you've been listening you know that Gary Peacock lived in Japan for a number of years in the late 60s into the early 70s and it was there that he met uh, Masabumi and started playing with him and, um, and then Tethered Moon came into existence in uh, 1990 I believe um, and they did some touring and some recording, and um, their first records came out in 1992. And so I'm going to read a little Ethan Iverson's interview with Masabumi Kikuchi, which he did in 2012, just after Paul Modian passed away. And um, you can read the whole thing on his website, Do the Math. Just uh, Google it, and it should come up. Ethan, when did you meet Palmodian? Pooh, I've been having a professional relationship with Gary Peacock for a long time. Of course we get very close occasionally. Ethan, even on some early 70s records together, right? Pooh, yeah. He found out that I was going out to a different area. That's when he told me that Palmodian was probably the best. And then I started recording with him, you know. I remember during the first meeting, there was a track where Gary had gone to the bathroom. Later, I found out that Gary had omitted that track when I was out on somebody's tour, and when I came back, it was already too late to get it on the record. But anyway, when Gary had gone to the bathroom, Paul and I started playing together, and it was the happening. I think that was our first step into the direction of the style and formation of 2000 plus one after then, because drums don't have exact pitches, it's very easy to handle the keys. So when Gary came back, we had finished one track and he loved it. But Gary has a very two-sided direction for music. One is that he's good with a more normal trio, and the other is how he's very good with a pianist like me without any direction, just kind of developing or following our own instincts without any logic or anything. Just following our own feels. So that's a track that opened up the relationship between Paul and I. That was quite a long time ago. Ethan, 91, I think. Pooh, oh yeah. Since then, we developed that direction, and that's why I ended up with Paul's band. I think when I joined Paul's band, he must have felt a little strange because we hadn't played in quite a while, but by the end, he liked it. He just let me handle everything, every bit of music. I ended up being the concertmaster for his last gig at the Vanguard. I knew he was tired because, you remember, he got sick. Ethan, right. So he called me, and he wanted me to be the concertmaster, so I said okay. Ethan, so you called the tunes? Yeah, but I could only finish one set. So I told him this and he said, that's fine. We're just going to do the same thing, both sets, all right? Paul is very accepting. It's amazing. Seems to me that you both share something about space. Pooh, yeah, yeah, space to give opponent. Ethan, opponent, laughs. Pooh, yeah, opponent, opponent, is that how you say it? Yeah, that's right, collaborator and opponent. Yeah, I didn't know it was going to be the last gig. I never believed it. Um, I'm just going to insert here that um, Masabumi Kikuchi was um, Japanese, and he lived in New York for a long time, but um, his English was always, uh, was never perfect, so um, that's why Ethan laughs about opponent. (laughs) Ethan, did you like playing Modian's tunes? Pooh, not in the beginning, I didn't understand. But now I could probably play anybody's song if I see some kind of piece I can develop in my own way. I think I can do anybody's writing as long as they gave me the time and freedom to develop it. Ethan, yeah, I guess since working with Paul in 91, you've really developed your own style that sounds like you. Pooh. Because Paul supported me, I think. At every moment he tried to. In the beginning, I was still stuck basically with the bebop concept, but especially since that first meeting, I thought, oh, okay, this is a way I want to go. It was epic making. Since then, 2000 Plus One changed drastically changed. Ethan, I first saw you play at Vision's in 1991. Pooh, oh, on that dingy grand piano, right? Ethan. Yep, and I thought it was too much like Paul Blay. Pooh, Oh, okay. Ethan, but then the next time I heard you with Paul, it didn't sound like Paul Blay anymore to me. It sounded like something I didn't know. Pooh, Yeah, I remember that. I was into Paul Blay, but then I realized how long I tried to be as good as Paul Blay. It's impossible because it's his own style. So I just said beep it. That's when I think I opened up my eyes for my music. We started out that set with the tune, Changing, composed by Gary Peacock for the 1970 Sony album, Eastward, with Masabumi Kikuchi on piano, Gary Peacock on bass, and Hiroshi Murakami on drums. Then we heard another Peacock tune, Gaia, from the 1992 King Records album, Triangle, with Masabumi and Gary and Paul Modian on drums. And then back again to 1971 for, for the album Voices with bon Show, another Gary Peacock tune. And that one is with Gary and Pooh and Hiroshi Murakami on drums and Masahiko Tagashi on percussion. I'm going to read a little bit more from Ethan Iverson's interview in 2012 with Masabumi Kikuchi. Ethan, what about Keith Jarrett? Pooh, Keith is a great piano player. I can't play like him. I wish I could. He's just an amazing piano player. I listened to him in his concert at Carnegie Hall quite a bit. I think his piano music made me brave enough because it's impossible to fall into that kind of style. He plays it with his own instinct. No kind of style at all. I couldn't do that. One time I was playing at Vigeon's with Gary and Paul and Keith came. Some small-scale orchestra at BAM played a couple of composers' works, including some of Keith's. Gary told me before we started the set that Keith was going to stop by along the way back home, so I was kind of scared, right? When we were playing, he came in. I saw him and went to him to say hello. He said to me, hey, you can play, I like it. I just thought it was just an ordinary compliment, but I told Gary about it, and he said Keith wouldn't beep at all, and he meant it. He told me that I had to remember that. He was talking about my self-confidence. Yeah, so that's what happened. This is the first time I've heard from anybody that I could play piano. He understood the way I was playing piano. Most people don't realize the way I was playing, because later I noticed I have my own style and approach. It's kind of sloppy, but it's still representable enough about what I want to say, almost a perfect way. Fingering fast is not the only technique there is. I said beep that and forgot about it. And then suddenly my fingers started working very fast. That's strange, right? I tried to open up my reach, I guess. Ethan, oh, did you hurt your hands? Pooh, yeah. Ethan, you had tendinitis? Yeah, so I couldn't even play tense. So I said, okay, I have to find a way, my own way. This was about three or four years ago, I think. I didn't make a strong enough commitment, and then one day I just noticed I was crossing hands. I was surprised because I didn't practice. I just recorded and developed my technique, so it's very natural now. That's fun. Ethan, sounds like it. Pooh, I can do whatever I feel. It's amazing. I'm so lucky, right? Laughs. I don't know how other people consider it, but I think I did it. I don't care who said what. Ethan, do you feel like you think when you improvise, or are you trying not to? Do you think and use your mind to remember things, or...? pooh, I don't even have the time to think about it. I start hearing it, then I just concentrate on the connection between my ears, mind, and fingers. And also, right after that, I feel like I have to judge it. So I don't have the time to prepare for it. You know what I'm talking about, right? Ethan, yeah, you're famous for singing while you're playing. Why do you sing? Pooh, probably because I don't know how to breathe. When I play and finish a phrase, I stop breathing. That probably starts some sort of vocalization. It's all probably breathing, I think. Ethan, what it seems like is that it's like you're trying to hear the sound of the piano in a different kind of way. Pooh, what do you mean? Ethan, I don't know, it's like you're following the phrases in a different way since you're simply, since you're singing them as well, like you're trying to get the piano to sing. Pooh, yeah, but it's still not necessary to vocalize it, right? Ethan, no, I guess it's not, but Bud Powell did, Keith Jarrett did. Pooh, I know, Keith is very loud, right? Ethan, maybe as loud as you, but I don't know. Pooh, right. I think it's a matter of breathing. The phrasing between Keith and I is a little different, I think. I think his construction of phrasing is much of a natural thing. Maybe I'm kind of, quote, against people's nature. Did Monk make some noise? Ethan, Monk made some noise, but Powell made a lot of noise. Paul Blasings, too. Pooh, oh yeah, it's hard to control. But if it's loud, then it's turning out to be a problem, right, for my profession? Ethan, when you play solo, I don't think you sing as much. Pooh, yeah, but I'm still softly moaning. Ah, softly moaning, that's great. Okay, I got one new title for a song, Softly Moaning. Ethan, so it seems to me that you're saying that rather than play the most natural thing, to find something that would work against the most natural idea, that you want abstract phrasing. Pooh, I don't know because it's more like my muscles. My muscles get tired, so the ideas I hear by ear are also a kind of movement of muscle. Ethan, Paul Modian never played the hits on the chart, especially in the last 40 years. You could hand him a chart with all these staccato hits, but he wouldn't do it. He wouldn't play those hits. He was going to play a counterpoint to the piece instead. You are similar, I think. Pooh, yeah, but also when... I expected us to be playing together. He always did. That's amazing, right? Ethan, what do you mean? If I hit the piano for an accent, he plays it at the same time. Ethan, you really felt like you and him were playing the same things? Pooh. when I want him to play with me, he plays. I don't know how it happened. Anyway, he chose to make a point or anything. I never felt awkward at all. Always with me. Even against me, it was always with me. Ethan, well, it's like when you're playing some of Paul's tunes, the chart might say, Scat's short melody, and you'd play anything but that tune. You'd play a whole other thing against it. I've never seen you play on Paul's original music something that came from the chart. Pooh. oh yeah, oh, he let me do it, right? Ethan, well, it's also the way he played the drums on other people's charts is what I'm saying. Looking for counterpoint. We're going to go to the top of the hour with uh, three songs from three different Tethered Moon, Winter and Winter albums. First, we'll hear Blues for Tosca from Experiencing Tosca, 2003. Then we'll hear from um, the songs of Edith Piaf, Sue Lucille de Paris, a 1999 release. And we're going to end with Paul Modian's composition Conception Vessel, From the 1992 King Records Triangle album. And uh, stay tuned for another hour after the top of the hour. Thank you. Feel like after that, maybe okay, but if you feel like going, go man. Welcome back to the second hour of Uncle Paul's Jazz Closet. This is your host, Cindy McGurl, with Gary Peacock and Paul Modian, part four this week. And I want to thank my sponsors for the show, the Dowling Walsh Gallery and Curator on Main Street in Rockland, and Rockport Automotive. And um, I also want to urge you to vote. It's that time of the year, so uh, it's everyone's duty. Paul Modian always voted, um, in the, the voting took place in his neighborhood in the first story of his building, so it was pretty easy when he was around. Um, so vote vote and vote I'm going to read a little bit more and oh I want to tell you too that don't forget that you're listening to Community Radio WRFR Low Power, Rockland, Maine 93.3 FM locally streaming online at wrfr.org and the show is available as a podcast at jazzcloset.blogspot.com Um, And there's um, lots of archive stuff and pictures and information with set lists and stuff on there. So check it out if you're interested. So I'm going to continue one more reading from Ethan Iverson's interview with Masabumi Kikuchi in 2012. Masabumi, I think I consider Paul's music to be strong in a couple spots, but it mostly gives me inspiration. If I react to it sort of right, he would accept it. That's what I found each time I played with him. Then we played quite a while together. I think we each built up each our own territory in the charts, but I feel like we built up some kind of groove. Ethan, you got a language together. Pooh. and Pooh is uh, Masabumi's nickname and that's what everyone called him since he was a child. Right, right, a language, yeah. Sometimes Gary's in. When Gary plays, we can have a different feeling. It gives the music a different energy, so it's very appreciable to the music. That's how I think I accepted it, because of that fact. So maybe I'm not playing really the way Paul wanted it to sound like, but I can change it too. He has a kind of ten-second phrasing, right? So how are you going to put the accent point of the phrase? If you find it, then you don't have to play a ten-second phrase, you could play a two-second phrase. Another way to think of the balance is what he meant, what he heard, what I hear, when we put them together, it comes out this way. As long as you have a responsibility for the part you play, there shouldn't be any problem there. That's what the trust is between two musicians. But if you can't have confidence there, then you shouldn't play together. That, I think, is trust between two musicians. So if he didn't like it, then he would probably stop and given me a chance to think it over or develop it to something else. Then, when he feels that he can't accept it, he'd start playing again. But it's still musical. It's a composition, right? You're not playing a kind of written-down arrangement or a written-down part at all. So it's negotiable all the ways, I think. I never thought of it in that kind of way before, but when I started playing with Gary and Paul, I had to learn it. Even felt like I was behind them. And I didn't like that. I felt I had to stand at the same point that they're standing. I think in the beginning, I was a really good student. I picked up quick, so now I'm majoring in it. But Paul is gone now, right? Beep. Ethan, what about all of those theme albums you recorded? Tosca, Jimi Hendrix, and all that kind of stuff. Pooh, oh, it's for commercial recording progress. But still, if I like it, then we can play it our own way. Especially Tosca. We played only the ballad, right? Just followed the chords and soloed. So, other than that, just nothing. Ethan, I couldn't even find the Hendrix record. Pooh, oh, it's not good stuff. If I could have brought up a more of a modern concept, it'd probably be more successful. But Jimmy is basically a blues player, right? As long as you feel the blues, but I didn't think it happened. The session was wrong. I wanted to play Jimmy's songs, but I don't know why I was into it. Oh, I think Miles inspired me to listen to Jimmy. It's another world. So um, I'm going to play a couple of cuts from that Plays Jimi Hendrix album anyway. (laughs) But we're going to start out with uh, Trouble Man from Play Kurt Wheel and 1994 Winter and Winter recording. And then we'll hear Purple Haze from um, Plays Jimi Hendrix. And that is from a 1997 Polydor album. And those are both Masabumi on piano, Gary on bass, and Paul on drums. And then we'll hear Ishii, a Gary Peacock tune from the 1971 Voices. And that's uh, Pooh and Gary with Hiroshi Murakami on drums and Masahiko Togashi on percussion. Next up, I have a cut from Masabumi's album, Sunrise, which he made for ECM Records. It was recorded in 2009, um, but didn't come out till 2012. And this is Last Ballad, and it's uh, improvised with um, the players Masabumi on piano, Thomas Morgan on double bass, and Paul Modian on drums. Um, then we're going to go back to 1978 and we're going to play an album, But Not For Me, that was uh, Masabumi's 1978 Flying Disc album, um, Masabumi on piano, Gary Peacock on bass, Ali Rio Roy and Azadin Weston on bells, Ali Rio Lima on Burumbau and... As it in Weston on Congas. Al Foster on drums, Battle Roy on tabla, and Al Foster, Gary Peacock, and Masabumi Kikuchi on percussion. And then we'll hear the short tune Jimi Hendrix's "Machine Gun" from *Plays Jimi Hendrix*. And the last cut for today is Gary Peacock's "More" from the 1992 King Records *Tethered Moon* with Gary, Poo, and Paul. And um, next week, I'll continue this Gary Peacock and Paul Modi and we'll start getting into some other players, um, Marilyn Crispell, um, some later Paul Blaise stuff. Um, got some, uh, they did an album with uh, Muthspiel Brothers, and uh, got a bunch of other stuff too. So check it out next time. Have a good week, and don't forget to vote. Ooh. Mm-hmm.